Father, thank you that, that we're here today. God, thank you that each one of us woke up breathing and feeling well. God, we're here trying to discover something about your direction for our life, uh, your, your goodness in and to us. And God, so as we look at, at the life of Moses in the book of Exodus, the, the people of God, that you would show us things that connect our hearts to yours. Because so much of this story is about you revealing who you are and how you move and work, and we want to learn that. So God, help us, give us grace as we study right now, align our hearts with yours. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we are in a book study. Oh, I just dropped my microphone. That's not good. We're in a book study uh, in the book of Exodus, and, and this is week three, I believe. And, and in this study, we've been talking about the different things that make it unique or different um, than other places that we study in the Bible. The book of Exodus is really a book of covenants. It's about how God connects with his people and then raises Moses up as a leader to establish them where they need to go. You know, so God speaks to Moses, and this is just last week, and, and God speaks to Moses with all of the I will. So the first week was Moses saying, who am I? The next week was God saying, this is who I am, and this is what I'll do. And, and God said this to him, I will bring you out, out of captivity, literally, and I will deliver you into where you're going. This is, by the way, true for us today. You have to understand that these are things that lay over our lives, aren't they, church? Eh, like three or four yet. These are things that lay over our lives, right, church? There we go. That's, that's better. He says this, I'll redeem you. I'll take you for my people. God calls you his very own. That's powerful. I'll, I, I will be your God. You know, one of my favorite things about being a believer is that I belong to him. Like, it's not like he's God, generally speaking. He's my God. How many of you guys would say he's my God? Like he's my, like when I'm in it, when I need to talk to somebody who gets it, who understands all of creation, the whole universe, he's my God. I get to be with him. And I will bring you into the land, which is direction, promise, calling. And I'm going to give it to you as an inheritance. You didn't earn it. I'm going to bless you with it. And then he says this, because I am the Lord. That was much of what we talked about last week. So God is doing this. He's affirming Moses. God affirms Moses that this is about covenant. It's about my people. It, you're the guy who I called to lead because, listen, I chose you as my leader. Okay, so, so let me just stop for a second here because some of you guys are like, yeah, he's just doing the intro. I don't have to pay attention. You know that God chose you. Chose you. Say it. Say it. God chose me. God, God chose me. See, there's something about knowing that of all the people he could have picked, he picked you. Now, what's beautiful about this, he didn't pick you because you're really intelligent. Didn't pick you because you're prettier or smarter or more handsome or more athletic. He picked you because you are you. It has nothing to do with what you do. It has to do with who you are and that he loves you. He chose you. So when we look at Moses, we studied his life already some, and we looked at he's, he was raised in Pharaoh's house. He comes out, he's a murderer. He hides in the desert. He's a shepherd. He's all of these things, just like you and me. We all have mistakes. Somebody say amen. amen. And then he says, yeah, but I pick you, and I want you to go do this thing. So this study in the book of Exodus is really a study of us, study of our lives. How does God work with us? See, God does this with every single person. He moves with people. He moves through people. Excuse me. 
interrupt my communion for later. Um, he moves through people. Man, I feel like I'm discombobulated. I'm falling over my microphones, falling all kinds of stuff. But he does this with everybody. So when God is moving with people, he calls us. And the craziest thing to me in all of what it means to be a believer is that God works his sovereignty, his power, his promise through us, through people. I just think that's the craziest model ever. Because we all know people, don't we? I don't want to trust no people. What about you? But that's how God does it. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. So walking with God can be kind of wild. Sometimes it's challenging. How many of you guys would say walking with God can be challenging? It can be challenging. Sometimes scary. How about scary? Sometimes it feels a little bit impossible. And then sometimes it feels full of possibility. It's like opposite extremes. Sometimes it's full of miracles. And sometimes it's never this dull. Never dull. I can't say that walking with God is dull. Even when I'm struggling, part of the frustration is I know that it's supposed to be better. Hello? And that it's never dull. It just never, ever stops. So Moses is called. He responds, here I am. This is what God is up to. And then he says, well, God, when I go, like, who are you? What's your name? I'm just this recap. That's all I'm doing right now. He says, who are you? what, What if I go and they don't believe me? What if I go and they won't listen to me? Anybody ever felt like they're not going to listen? So a lot of times we shut down doing what God has asked us to do because we presume they're not going to do anything that, that would listen to us. And then Moses does the, I can't speak well. God says, go do it. Well, I, I'm still not very eloquent. Okay, just go do it, Moses. But, but God, I, 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 don't, I don't speak well. He just keeps doing that with God. Same old excuse, just like us. And then he even says to God, listen, please send someone else, just anybody else. I I don't want to do it. And that's where we're kind of picking up the story now. So we're in Exodus chapter 6. We're going to catch the last few verses there. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the introduction to 7. And I'm really going to talk about the background of the plagues this morning. And I'm going to talk about some of the hardness of heart stuff for when we take communion. And then next week, I'm going to go through the plagues and we're going to finish with Passover next week. So today is going to be a little bit of background, if you will, okay, prepping us to do this. So, But Exodus chapter 6, in verse 28, this is now God kind of wrapping up with Moses. And he says, now it, it came about on the day when, Moses, when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt. Now verse 29, that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I'm the Lord, speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I speak to you. But Moses said before the Lord, behold, I'm unskilled in speech. How then will Pharaoh listen to me? Again, he's done this every single time. You guys remember last time he did it with God, God said this, that the anger of the Lord burned against him. And he does it again. Like just, man, please, anything else. So God has already addressed all of Moses' concerns. You know what I love about this time? He just ignores it. Anybody ever made excuses with God and had God ignore the excuses? I'm talking to some of you in the room right now. Don't fake like you don't know I'm talking to you. You know God has raised you up at work, in your households, in church. He's asked you to do something, and you act like, I I don't know what's up. And God's saying, no, you know exactly what's up. Stop making excuses. Now, verse 1 of chapter 7 says, you know, Moses says, man, I'm unskilled in speech. God says, then the Lord said to Moses, see this, I make you as God to Pharaoh. Wow. 
You mean that when you go on behalf of God, you actually go with the power and the presence of God? That's what he just said. See, I think sometimes we get caught up in our insecurities instead of God's fullness. Hello? I do. I don't know about you guys. Sometimes I get in the middle of something like, yeah, I'm just not going to say anything. And God says, no, no, no. I want you to do what I'm telling you to do. I make you as God to Pharaoh. Watch. And your brother Aaron, he's, he's your prophet. So not only am I sending you, I'm sending you with the guy who's going to speak on your behalf, just like you asked. And you shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall speak to Pharaoh, and he should say this, let the sons of Israel go out into his land, or go out of his land. But I, man, like I love this about God. I'm going to preface this before I even read this verse. Sometimes God will tell you what he's going to do before he does it. Give me an amen. I'm going to prove it to you right now. Sometimes God will tell you exactly what you're facing before you face it. Listen, some of us think this, that because God sent us, that means it's all going to be easy. Oh, man. Listen, I've been the pastor here. This is the 16th year. It's been more hard than easy. Hello? Particularly, listen, particularly when God says, step out of your comfort zone. Listen, when I coast, it ain't that hard. Anybody else know, like, coasting's pretty easy? But when God says, insert yourself, go here, do this, take a risk, like, like I changed my whole calendar last week because I got invited to that resource center meeting. I looked at Henry. I said, I just have a sense we're supposed to go to this. So I don't know why. I just feel like God's saying, check off your calendar, which meant I got really busy with other stuff because I gave like three quarters of a day to go, but it was really good. Meeting the other pastors, really good. Making connections, really good. The resource, really good. And I knew that I was obeying what God told me to do, even though I was thinking, I got so much to get done, God. You know, like, this isn't convenient. Am I talking to anybody right now? Help me. Sometimes pursuing what God is asking you to do will not be easy or convenient. And, and, and it's just wild to me, but it says, he says to, Mo, to Moses and to Aaron, he says, listen, when you go, I'm going to tell you what's up. I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Okay, so listen, I want you to go talk to your dad and tell him about Jesus. I want you to go talk to your grandpa and tell him about Jesus. I want you to go to your work friends and talk to them about Jesus. Oh, by the way, they're not going to listen to you. Well, why go then? Do what I'm asking you to do. That's how God works. And you watch him meet that point of faith so often, so often. And sometimes you get to see his miraculous power, which we're going to see in a second. Because God says, go do this. I want you to do what I'm asking you to do. He says, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart, and I'm going to multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. Okay, so he's not going to listen, but you're going to get to see front row seat just how powerful I am. How many of you guys like seeing the power of God? Come on. I, I love this stuff. Like, if I'm honest, I don't see it often enough. I wish I saw it more often. But I know this, that when I intend to position myself to see it, God often will meet me right at that point. He says, man, I'm going to show you signs. In verse 4, he says, when Pharaoh does not listen to you, then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring out all of my hosts, my people and the sons of Israel from the land of Egypt by great judgments. Now, it's important for me to just preface, when we look through all of these plagues, all but two of them are, are identified as God contending with the gods of Egypt. So he's saying, I am judging their false gods. You've got to understand that there's more than just the judgments going on, the plagues. It's God judging them. In verse 5, he says, the Egyptians, 
They shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and I bring the sons of Israel from their midst. You're going to know that I'm God when he says no and I make it happen anyways. Somebody say amen because you got some no's in your life and you need to see God happen, make it happen anyway. So when God moves, he also always moves on multiple levels. So here's some of the levels. He appoints Moses, going to make you as God. Okay? Here's another one. He appoints Aaron, you'll be a prophet. Okay? Here's another one. He sends Moses and Aaron to speak. He anoints them to do it. He gives Moses advance warning of everything that's going to happen. I'll harden Pharaoh's heart. He's not going to let you go. He won't listen. And then he tells Moses it's going to be miraculous. You're going to see signs. You're going to see wonders. You're going to see my judgments. You're going to have a front row seat to all of this. So why would God go through all of this? You ever think, like, you ever look at stuff and go, why so much energy right there? I read my Bible that way all the time. God, what are you up to? Why? What can I learn? So there's just a thought or two. First one is this, that they would know that Yahweh is God. In verse 5, it says, the Egyptians shall know that I'm the Lord. So all of this, remember, like, you got to remember, like, Moses is, is the first guy to know the name of God. We studied that a couple weeks ago. He's the first guy to know God says, I am Yahweh. Y-H-W-H. It's not even an actual word. It's just the tetragrammaton, the, the four letters. And, he, and Moses says, when I go, who should I? Listen, you're going to know, and so will everybody else, just who I am. See, when you step out with God, you're going to find this. The reason God does stuff is to demonstrate that you would know and the others around you will know that God is with you and he's for you. That's so much part of what's going on. When you think of this idea of knowing, to know, to learn, to perceive. How many of you guys have tried to grow in with God and you had to perceive what he was doing? You know, God's ways are different than ours. Somebody say amen. It's true. Man, so often I'm like, God, you don't make sense. He's like, I'm not trying to make sense to you. I'm God, remember? I'm trying to lead you. Your job is to follow. And often what I find is I don't understand because I'm looking at things humanly. But when I look with the lens of faith, come on, talk to me. When I look with the lens of faith, God is a lot less confusing than when I look with the natural eyes. I know this is true. When I look at something that I can't afford and God is saying to do it, and I go, but the, it's just not, it doesn't make sense. And God goes, are you going to trust me to provide or not? I remember, man. So we've been in this building uh, 13 years. Okay, so Steve, you were around. You remember. Like, I remember we were all together praying, like, God, give us a place. Because, like, you guys don't get it. Like, in the early days, we had to set up the whole church every week and tear down the whole church every week. We would stick it in a U-Haul, and we would drive it and park it. Then we'd go pick up the U-Haul, and we'd get here at, like, 6 in the morning. Not this building. It was down the street. And we'd get there, and we had plastic chairs because they were lighter. They were not very comfortable, by the way. And we would set up all these plastic chairs. And we would set up the, like, the cafe. We would set that up every week. Starbucks used to donate pastries to us, and we would give you all the pastries. It was great. And we'd do coffee. We'd set it all up. We'd set up Connection Corner. All of our boxes, all our printed materials, they're in a box. They'd go in the U-Haul, come out of the U-Haul. It was crazy. We would set up the whole sound system. So we have a soundboard branded. Could you imagine every week you're running the wires? Every week. You're, put, you're taking the board out of a thing. You're putting it down on the table. You're plug, Vic, where are you? You used to do this, brother. Before Vic was our worship leader, he used to plug in the board. And we would run the cables and always, always, can you say always? always. 
something didn't work. Every week, without fail, every week. And we, man, and I remember like the building became a possibility. Like I knew the pastor in here and his church was about to merge with another church. And I said, hey, do you care if I ask if the building? So we, we go and we talk to the building guys. Like this is just history, you guys. I've been thinking about this a lot lately because we've been here doing church a long time together. And I remember like, he, I said, hey, how much do you pay for the building? He told me the number. It was like, like 6,000, 6,005. We didn't have any money. So I'm like, man, they're not, we don't have $6,000 a month to give them for a building. We don't, we, we don't have it. And so I, I, I write the guy an email. I said, hey, could we talk? And I come and I show up. And like just lots of layers of talking and trying to figure it out. And he, said, he says this. He's a believer. His name's Jeff Pearson. You should pray for him, by the way, because we want another building. It's part of the branding stuff. Anyways, so, so we're, I, I go, hey, he goes, give me a number. I not playing with you. He said, give me a number. You know, this is 2010, economy's tanking. Everything's in a recession. Building's about to be empty. He doesn't want it empty. We don't want to be in the community center anymore. And I go, I go man. So I, I write a letter up, and I'd like to make it all like letterhead, like looking cool. And I send it to him, and I say, hey, here's my plan. $4,000 a month, so like $2,500 right off the top. $4,000 a month. And then in a year, we'll go to $4,500. And then the next year, we'll go to five, like nothing. Like I'm only going up 500 bucks, like nothing. And he says, I'll tell you what, you can go in the building for 4000 And then let's just assess it in six months. Wow. So we move in the building. And, it, and for those of you who are here, we, man, there was so much work. We've remodeled it since, but there's so much work. The carpet used to be bright green. I'm colorblind. It was dark gray to me, but it was bright green to everybody else. And not, no, seriously. And it was ugly, and it was old. And I, re, I just remember, like, man, let's make it work. Our stage was in the corner. One of the guys welded it all to Junior Hernandez. He's with the Lord now. He, he passed a few years ago. But he built our stage. Our stage used to be in the corner, and it was all black wood. It looked like a bar. I'm not playing, didn't it, Vic? Because then Vic started leading worship for us up on that stage. Sam was with them. Like, I'm pointing around because a lot of you guys have been here a long time. And you, and you might remember, but we didn't have anything. Like, we had why We'd plug the wires and wire doesn't work. We don't have money to buy another wire. It was that kind of a deal. And we trusted God. And the, I remember the very first week we did church, it, the stage used to be here. I'm trying not to go totally out of the camera. And it all pointed that way. That wall wasn't there. And we had chairs that were all radiused because this, the stage was a radius. And that, that Club 456 room, that was more seating. I came in that Sunday. It was standing room only, like 200, 225. There's people everywhere. I'm like, who are they? I don't know. This is so fun. I haven't slept all week because we've been painting. And it was crazy. But we trusted God. And now, 13 years later in this building... 16 years together, God has been faithful. But we had to take a step somewhere. I feel like God is saying, it's time for the next step. That's why we're having some meetings around that stuff. But man, you realize that anytime you face impossibility, you've got a decision to make whether or not you're going to trust God or shrink back. That's Moses. Will God actually deliver us? I mean... You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit of, I'm, I'm sarcastic, okay, just a little bit, just a little bit. 
So if you're Moses and your first encounter with God was a burning bush and a voice talking to you that says, take off your sandals, place your stand on holy ground, would you still be asking this many questions? You know what the answer is? Yes. You would. We all say no. I, we all think this. I would do better than Moses. Probably not. I can tell you from experience, anytime I've faced a big step, I shrunk back, even though God had met me at other times. It always takes faith, faith to go the next place with God. That is exactly what's going on. So why did God do this? Listen, I want you to know me. I want you to learn about me. I want you to perceive how I move. I want you to acknowledge that I'm God. That's what he's doing. So you know that, that like, God is really not all that interested in you believing in, in him to make him valid. See, God is valid regardless of whether or not you believe in him. People come to me, well, I don't believe that. That does not make him less God. It doesn't. Just means that one way you surrender to it and he covers you, and the other way you battle with him. That's the difference between Moses and Pharaoh. God bless Moses. We can pick on him all you want, but he still went and did what God said to do. With all the fear, all the uncertainty, he still got to see the power of God. So, so why would God do this for Moses? The same reason, so that you, he would know him, so that you and I would know him. So that we can see the story and go on. So let's jump down now to verse 8 of chapter 7. He says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying this, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Work a miracle. In other words, if you're really coming in the name of God, do something that's surprising. Watch. He says, Then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff, throw it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh, and thus they did just as the Lord had commanded them. And Aaron threw his staff down in Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. So God told them miracles would follow, and now the miracles are what? Following. Now watch, let's keep going. Verse 11, then Pharaoh also called for his wise men and the sorcerers, and they also, the magicians of Egypt, did the same with their secret arts. For each one threw down his staff, and they turned into serpents. Watch this. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Authority over authority. Now, please understand something. This is not saying they didn't have any authority. As I get it, their staffs turned into serpents as well, correct? But God's authority is higher than their authority. So, so watch, I want to talk to some of you like, you like Western thinkers. You're, you're, you're so like intellectual. I am too. Like I get this. Everything I look at when it comes to God has got to be processed. Like if it looks fake or it doesn't, like if it's supernatural, if it's outside of the norm, we automatically go, that can't be real. These guys are standing before Pharaoh throwing sticks on the ground. They're turning into snakes. I, man, I want some of that juice. I'm telling you what. Like, I want to walk in somewhere and go, what, you don't want to listen? Uh, there, there you go. Uh, come on. Come on. Well, how about that, sir? And then to watch them go, oh, really? Huh. There, how about my stick? And then watch mine go, eat it. Come on, eat it. I, I mean, I just think we miss the opportunity to step into the power of God because we just disbelieve. Is this crazy, though? Like, we go through this story, and we just kind of gloss over it. Oh, yeah, he threw a, turned into a serpent, and it ate the other snake. This is crazy. This is powerful, church. 
Like, listen, you should think like this New Testament. He's given you authority to trample on snakes and on scorpions to overcome all the power of the wicked one. You should think like that when you read this. So technically speaking, you have more authority in you than Moses had. God indwells you. It's crazy to me. So why aren't we moving in that? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that one, but I do think there's kind of a like, hey, let's move forward to this thing. So the power of God, I've always had this desire to see the power of God. I've found myself in weird places and weird meetings, sometimes with things being done that are odd. And I walk out and go, man, God was like present. Like, that's weird. That's not how I would do it, but that was pretty cool. Anybody ever had something happen to you that was just way outside of your comfortability? It's not unbiblical. I'm not talking about something wacky. And you left the room thinking, yeah, I, I, wow, wow. How many of you guys would want more wow moments? I, that's, that's like, nah, I won't go there yet. Later, maybe. Let's see. See, when I think of this stuff, this is what I think. I want to see people get healed when we pray for them. Now, we've seen that some. But have I seen that all the time? No. But I think sometimes it doesn't happen because we don't pray. We just don't stop and say, God, do you want to heal this person in this moment right now? And I understand that there are times where people don't get healed because God is up to something. I get it. He's God. Amen? I get that. But how, how often does it not happen just because we don't even engage it? I want to see people get delivered when we pray. Somebody comes in and says, man, I'm... I, I'm an alcoholic, man. I can't get free. I want, I want to see God set them free. I, that, that's how I'm, I, like, I want to see that in my own life, the areas that I struggle with. Like, God, just deliver me. Like, even during worship this morning, because I, I know what I'm going to preach, I had to study it. I had to, get, I had to let God beat me up before I bring it to you to beat you up. That's what I'm saying. You know, I had to do that. And so I'm, I'm studying this. I'm like, okay, God, I want you to conquer my enemies when I pray. I want you to conquer their enemies when we pray. I want you to show that you're a God that's present, that's at hand. I want the power of God to make him known in our midst. That's what I want. And I think this, that if we press into it, we see it. But when we don't, see, when we consider the plagues, these are judgments against the false gods. I got a question for you. Any of you guys got false gods? You're like, no, not me, pastor. No, no, I'm a believer. I'm going to heaven. No, you are. Think you got any false gods running around in your life? You think you got any houses that you might worship? You think you got any cars, bank accounts, jobs? Let's make it not bad. Let's make it good. Wives, husbands, children. Oh, man, I've, I've seen people do all sorts of crazy in the name of their kids. Wowzers. Are we honoring God with everything he's entrusted to us? Because I think this, that we've set up some things that are just false things, things that we honor higher than God, that we worship more than we worship God. And I'm just checking you, man. Is that happening in your heart, in your life? Listen, I'm not saying it because I don't know what's going on, but I trust this. The Holy Spirit mingles with us when I say stuff like that. And he goes, I want you to pay attention to this thing. Like when I was studying this, God pointed one out for me. You want to know what it is? I'm not telling you. <laughs> He did, though. I'm not playing. He said, I want you to address that. I want you to address that. I'm like, okay, God. But what if it turns into an argument because it's with the person? And this is honestly what I felt like he said. It will. Because we want it all to be easy, amen? 
Now, now, and, and then I know what he's saying. Now go take care of it. So I, I personally believe that the most dangerous false gods are the ones that are not evil. They're things. They're, they're other people. They're spouses. They're husbands. They're wives. They're, they're grandparents. They're aunts. They're uncles. They're our kids that we prioritize them over our worship of God and we miss the opportunity. So when we're talking about the plagues, though, you've got to understand that this is about God being the highest of all gods. Okay, that's what it's about. So I want to walk through some of the plagues and some of the comparisons to the Egyptians. Like I said, this is kind of the backdrop. Next week, we're going to go through the plagues. So the first one is this, and, and we're not going to do it, and I'm just going to list them off for you. Water to blood, that's one of the plagues. It's the very first plague. Okay, so why water to blood? And what's he contending with? Okay, well, in Egyptian culture, it's, it's Hapi, Hapi, H-A-P-I. It's the god of the Nile. This is their god of fertility. So why did God turn the Nile into blood? Where does life come from? God. But they thought it came from water. See what I'm saying? They were trusting the water of the Nile. Now, how many of you guys know you need water to live? Somebody say amen. Like physically you need water? Incidentally, you know, that's why our church water of life, you know, I would give to them living waters. But he's really speaking a spiritual thing. But you know you naturally need water to live. You can't live. So God says, okay, I'm going to show them that they're trust in the Nile. I can just eliminate that. And you'll see next week when we read, they're all digging around the Nile trying to, because if the water seeps through the sand, you can still drink it, even though it was blood over here, because it filters it. They're going to try to find water. So, so the next one is this. What about the frogs? Like, don't you think like a plague of frogs, isn't that kind of weird? Like, I, how many of you guys like critters? I like critters. Like, I, I play with frogs, snakes, lizards. I like that kind of stuff. Some of you are like, mm. I, I, like, there, there's a trail. Like, some of you are like, you're so gross, Pastor. I agree. We went and hiked this trail up in, um, it's Claraboy up in the Claremont area. And, and it's like where Marshall Canyon comes down into the high rent district. And they're really nice homes there. And so you walk along the thing, and, well, there's frogs everywhere. Well, we decided, hey, it's summertime. Let's go back at night. So we go back at night, and it's warm outside because it's summer. So we see lizards at night on the trail. That's not all that common. Saw a snake at night on the trail. And then we get down to the water, and you're And we're seeing their, their things blow up, and they're making noise. And I'm like, that's so cool. Imagine you're in your house, and they're everywhere. They're on your counters. They're in your beds. They're in your cabinets. They're everywhere. See, the way they saw it, this is the god Heck. It's the god of fruitfulness for them. By the way, frogs are prolific. They will multiply like crazy. They will go just bonkers. But this is God saying, oh, you're god of fruitfulness? No, no, no. Fruitfulness doesn't come from the frogs. That comes from me. So let me just, you know, rearrange your thinking on that. Now, now the next one is the flies. Now, I don't know about you, man. I don't like flies. I don't. Like I, like, I fly fish. When they're buzzing, my, I hate it. Like, you know, you're doing this number. You're trying to throw a fly. I, I hate it. it. They get in your ears and stuff. I hate that stuff. They're all over the place. Well, this is the God keep, Keeper, K-H-E-P-E-R, and it, it references either gnats or beetles, and it symbolized the daily cycle of the sun. Incidentally, if you're a fly fisherman, they'll say something like this. What's the hatch? 
what they're saying is what flies are popping up right now. And they'll pop up at like noon and they will be gone by three o'clock. They'll die. That's kind of the life cycle. That's what they're saying. Our life cycle is when the sun comes up, the sun goes back down. And God goes, no, 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 no. I'm the source of life. Not, not this fly thing. And then they worshiped the cattle, which is Hathor. And it was a cow with a human head on it. And they worshiped this. They had hail and thunder. This is the god Nut, which is the sky goddess. And it was protection from the dead. God's going to show them just shortly, that ain't going to protect you. Only the blood on the doorpost will protect you, which is symbolic, by the way, of Jesus. We'll get to that next week. And then he says, what about, what about the locust, Serapia? This is protection from things eating you up, and they're worshiping things that eat you up. Take out your harvest. It's just the strangest thing. God's like, nope, I'm going to show you that I'm the God of all that stuff. And then he says, darkness, this is Ray. We're familiar with this one from like Scorpion Kings and movies like that. But this is the God of the sun, the protector, and the father of mankind. Who's the father of mankind? Yeah, Yahweh, not Ray. And God is judging them. That's exactly what's going on. Then what about the death of the firstborn? This is just God contrasting against the God Turret, and it's the goddess of maternity, childbirth, and the household protector. Was their God successful in protecting their households? God is doing all of these plagues to demonstrate that he is the God of gods. I'm the I am. So watch, let's take this into our households. Where is it that we're trusting something other than I am? I don't know the answer to that for you. You trust in your bank account, your retirement, your 401k, your paycheck. Listen, I want to encourage you, church. We really need to be praying right now because our country's economy is in a bad spot. Actually, the world economy is. We need to be praying because there's a high likelihood you'll see layoffs and stuff like that. And I'm not trying to be a fear monger. I'm trying to say, I'm discombobulated with my outfit here. I'm trying to say to you, pay attention and pray. You need to pray because God says this, all these judgments came on the people, but not on the people of God. Exactly. So you need, you need to be praying and covering and then opening the possibility to be powerful in other people's lives. So I want to wrap up and then we're going to take communion. Like I said, this is kind of the backdrop. I want to talk to you some about this idea of, of Pharaoh hardening his heart. Now, how many of you guys, when you talk about Pharaoh hardening his heart, think pretty much this, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. That's like pretty much how you think about it. Any hands? You're, what you're going to see when you study this, you're going to see that it was not just God. It was also Pharaoh who was hardening his heart. In fact, God doesn't harden Pharaoh's heart until the sixth plague. It's on the sixth plague that he hardens Pharaoh's heart. Now, he did say Pharaoh's heart's going to be hard, but it isn't until the sixth plague that Pharaoh goes, nope, I'm in control of my world. So why is this idea of hardness so bad? I, you know, I just, again, there's three words used for it when God is talking just in reference to Pharaoh alone. There's three different words used for it. It's used 20 times in less than 10 chapters. Anytime you see that, that means it's important. You should pay attention to it because that means this idea of hardening is happening over and over. When you're looking at the idea of the hardness of heart, the, the first one is this, that God is the subject. And the example would be like Exodus 9, um, verse 12. This is with God being the subject of, of a hardened heart. And it says, And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, 
And he did not listen to them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. So this one, God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Now how about when Pharaoh is the subject, not God? This would be Exodus chapter 8, verse 15. It says, but when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, in other words, the plague was lifted, he hardened his heart, and he did not listen to them, as the Lord had said. So God knew he would do it, but there were times where it was him doing it, not God doing it to him. And then sometimes Pharaoh's heart is the subject of what's going on. It's neither God nor Pharaoh is the primary thing. And this is Exodus 9, verse 35. It says, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not let the sons of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Over and over, you see that follow-up phrase saying, I told you this would happen. God's saying, I told you that this would happen. By the way, God is saying that to some of you. I told you this is how it would happen. Listen, can I, can I give you an encouragement? When it gets hard, don't shrink back. Sometimes God will put you in a spot where you've got to move forward. You've got to stand your ground. Maybe you need to lower the guard. Maybe God is telling you to be humble. But whatever it is that he's asking you to do, he will finish it by saying, I told you this is how it would be. If you listen, he'll show you. If you listen, he'll do what? He'll show you. So you won't be surprised. Listen, I, I tell you, like I look at the season ahead of us, and I think, ooh, I think it's going to be exciting. I think there's going to be fun. I think we're going to have really good worship times. You know, like we mentioned Thailand. Um, Charlie is coming on March the 5th. I just want you guys to meet him. Charlie's amazing. Charlie's like this tall. He's a big, giant, oaky dude. His head's going to hit the ceiling. Now, and, but he's just going to share with you Thailand. Because I want some of you guys to get a heart for what God is doing through his ministry, expanding the kingdom in Thailand. Then a month later, we got Dennis coming. Who You guys know Dennis. Dennis is a prophetic guy. He's really, really cool. He'll preach and he'll minister afterwards, just encouraging you. But man, I just get this, that, that as we head into seasons of release, I expect some things to be hard. Just expect that. If I, if I walk into it with eyes wide open, listening to God, then when it's hard, I can go, okay, God, is this you closing the door? Is this warfare? You're telling me to stand up or to sit down? Which one is it? Because now you know. You get what I'm saying? See, some of you are in difficult seasons, but you're not listening, so you don't know what to do. We just audit, like, okay, man, this is, um, I'm going too long, but we're going to take communion in a second. Most of us just automatically assume that it's the devil. This is hard, it, therefore it's the devil. But it's not always that way. Sometimes this is hard because God is stopping you from going where the devil wants you to go. Like if it's a little too easy, sometimes I'm like, okay, God, am I missing something? But if it's a little too hard, I'm like, okay, God, am I in sin? Is there something I'm missing? Am I not aligned with you? Am I talking to anybody right now? Listen, I'm just trying to encourage you. Listen, follow. Don't assume that because it's difficult, the devil's in the mix. Sometimes God is just working this stuff out. Got to listen and learn and tune into his ear or his heart, or his voice, so you know exactly what it is to do when the season gets difficult, because there are times it gets really difficult. Okay, so back to the, the hardness of heart. The words that are used in reference to hardness, this is some of the meanings. This isn't even comprehensive. One of them is obstinate. Anybody ever been obstinate? I'm just not doing that. Yeah. Thanks, Ramona. That was a hearty. <laughs> what about stubbornness? Anybody ever been stubborn? 
Ooh, stubbornness. By the way, stubbornness is particularly dangerous because it's spiritual. See, when you say stubbornness, the, there's another scripture where it's speaking of it in Samuel, and it says it's stubbornness is as the sin of witchcraft. It's spiritual. Some of you are like, well, I'm just stubborn. I'm strong. I wouldn't float that too highly because that means that you're trusting something. Very likely you're trusting something other than God. Listen, I get the stubbornness for faith, the standing firm in your faith. I get that. Not talking about that. Talking about when our stubbornness is a hardness of heart that prevents us from experiencing the power and the possibility of God. You hear what I'm saying? That is really dangerous. What about strong or firm? You go, yeah, I want to be strong and firm. No, this is strong and firm resisting God. So you don't want that kind of hardness. What about when you're adamant? This is just what I think it is. No matter what, this is what I think. And my perception's right regardless of what anyone else thinks, in particular, what God thinks. Got to remember, this is referencing Pharaoh. I don't care that he thinks he's God. He's not my God. That's all that's going on in this. Now, most of us think, man, man, my heart's nowhere near that, Pastor. I would suggest to you that there might be more of this rumbling around in you than you understand. How do I know that? Because it's rumbling around in me. I just always assume, if I'm struggling with it, so are you. Just being real with you. I'm not trying to say live in sin. Please understand. I'm just saying this. The rain falls on just and the unjust, on the mature and the immature. If somebody's struggling, it's hitting all of us. You know, maybe you move through that quicker than me. Whew, you're lucky. Sometimes I get kind of stiff with God. Anybody else ever get stiff with God? Not what I want to do. It's not where I want to go. You're like, man, I came to church. I thought he was going to be nice. A little bit nice. Another one of the hardness words is just when you refuse. I know you're saying to do this, God, but I just refuse. I won't do it. I know you're telling me to help that missionary, God. No. I know you're telling me to feed my family. No. Open up my home. No. If, if I give God, then I can't go on vacation. No. Well, we all have them. Everybody has something going on where you refuse. And again, I say all these with just this mindset. Holy Spirit, if there's something going on, then talk to them. So you've got to think like this. God loves you, like loves, loves you, wants you free. So this is not ever intended to be heavy-handed or hard or mean-spirited. God wants you to walk in freedom. So if there was something hindering you from experiencing deep knowledge and a full release of God, wouldn't you want to know? See, I see stuff like this as the mercy of God when he shows me. I don't see it as his judgment. This is God leading me into freedom, leading me into fullness. You guys understand? Like, can I get an amen maybe? Because some of you are all like, I don't want to admit nothing. Pastor's after me. I'm not. I don't know about you guys, but I struggle with a hard heart sometimes. I would imagine you do too. You know, we know this though, that Pharaoh was distinctly against God. We're not. We're wanting, see, we have the spirit massaging our hearts, helping us to move God's direction. You know, for us, I think this, it isn't necessarily about rebellion. Sometimes it's just about the struggle to understand and walk with God. It's not about rebellion. I don't think that most of us sitting in the room, you're here at church saying, I I need to discover Jesus more deeply. You're probably not sitting just in overt rebellion saying, I don't want to know anything. It's probably more this, I don't understand what you're up to, God. And this is hard. And it's scary. And I don't have enough faith to do it. And I'm not smart enough. And I don't speak well enough. And I'm not intelligent enough. 
this sound like Moses a little? Sounds like you a little too, doesn't it? See, sometimes hard-heartedness isn't about rebellion, it's about insecurity. Sometimes it's not about rebellion, it's about discovery. God, I need to know you're in it. See, I think that that's some of what, what went on with Moses. We're going to see later in Moses' life in Exodus that, that God is going to say about Moses, man, everybody else I talk to from a distance. Moses, face-to-face. How did he get face-to-face? Because he kept asking the questions and going back and going back and going back. God, I don't understand. So I don't think it's necessarily rebellion all the time. Sometimes it's knowing that God is with you, that he's in it. See, and I, I, let me say this to you. God is with you. He's in it. Hello? He's with you. Hello? He's in it. You're like, but it's hard, Pastor. I know. He's with you. And he's leading you if you'll listen. He's in it. Trust me, he's in it. I've been doing this a long time. Like, even this morning, I'm like, Jesus, it's really hard right now. You go, I'm in it. Yeah, but, but could you show up a little bit more? <laughs> you know, that's... He's, I'm in it. I'll give you everything you need when you need it. Everything you need. Uh, can I encourage you with something? Ask often, a lot, for clarity, for wisdom, for direction, for provision. Okay, I think I beat that to death. Did I beat that to death? Yeah. He's in it. Okay, so when we're talking about hearts, and we're going to take communion in just a second. Jesus speaks to hearts this way. When they asked him, why do you speak in parables? Why do you, Watch. You guys are laughing at me, so I'll go fast now. Matthew 13, verse 13. He says, therefore, I speak to them in parables, because, listen, watch. Tell me if this might be you sometimes. While seeing, they don't see. I mean, looking at it straight. And hearing, they don't hear, nor do they even understand. In, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You'll keep on seeing, but you won't perceive. For the heart, important, the heart of this people has become what? Dull. Listen, I'm telling you, this is, this is every person I've ever known that trusts Jesus. This happens to every single one of us. Every one of us. Move through these moments quickly if I can encourage you. You don't want to stay in a dull spot. It says, with their ears, they scarcely hear kind of think I know what he's doing, and they've closed their eyes. I don't want to see what he's doing. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, they'd understand with their hearts, and they'd return, and I would what? Oh, that's super important. You should underline that in your Bible, highlight it, asterisk, whatever you do, you should note that. He says, but blessed are your eyes. Somebody say, my eyes are blessed. My eyes are blessed. This is what you're after right here. Because they see in their ears, because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and they didn't see it, and to hear what you hear, and they didn't hear it. See, you've got to understand this about Jesus. All of this comprehension of who he is all has to do with healing and blessing. He's trying to release to us. We aren't agreeing. Listen, I love what somebody said to me one time. It's never God withholding. God is generous. Hello, is God generous? Help me. Man, he gave us forgiveness when we hated him. You hated him. You were completely adverse to him. You were dead in trespass and sin. You had no desire for God at all. Nothing wasn't even in your mind. This is me. Heck, I was a little party boy. I wasn't thinking about God at all. But listen, he was thinking about me. 
And he's thinking about you. That's how he works. And he's thinking you're like the front end of his mind. So, so when your heart is hard, what should you do? What are some of the things that, that might make this happen? And Santosh, if you want to head on up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this to where we can take communion together now. Um, and you're welcome to bring the whole team if you want or just you. I, that's your call. You, you direct them how you feel fit. So when we talk about hardened hearts, just a few questions, just some stuff for you to process. Like, could your heart be in a spot where you don't even realize it's as hard as it is? Have you ever been through anything tough that just seems like it's a little bit more than you can handle? Okay, if you're in the room and you're breathing, you can raise your hand. That's all of us. Hello? It's every single person in the room. Incidentally, if you don't have communion, slip your hand up. Henry's got communion, and Pastor Russ does too. We got a, a couple over here on my left too. So, so if you've been through tough stuff, you think it's a little too much, and you think, man, what's going on? This, like your heart gets guarded and hard. Listen, can I suggest something to you? I've been walking with the Lord a long time. I know this is true in Scripture as well. Sometimes, sometimes God will allow pressure so that what's inside of you will come out. You guys aren't going to like what I'm about to say. Just, you're not. I love the analogy. If you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, what comes out? Toothpaste. How come? Because that's what's inside. If I squeeze you real hard or God squeezes you real hard, what comes out? If it's anger and it's bitterness and it's unforgiveness, pride, arrogance, I could make it a list, just enormous. That means that's what's inside. See, I've gotten some pressure in the last couple of years, and I've seen things come out of me that were not godly. They weren't. And you know what I did with those moments? There were times, I, like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little deep, talking about me, though, but it might be you. There were times that in my pride, I would never let that happen to me. Those people struggle in moments like that because they're weak. I, I, I remember I said this. I'm not struggling with whether or not God is real. That's not how the devil tempts me. Okay? And then I experienced two years of pure hell. And I thought, God, are you real? No, I'm not playing with you guys. I said that to God. Are you real? Because this is way harder than anything I've ever, like, and you don't seem present. You seem kind of distant. What am I saying? My heart was getting harder. And it was getting harder because I was pointing at God and accusing him of the things of the devil. But listen, I understand this. The devil is a tool in God's hands. So you squeeze me hard enough, what comes out is what's inside. You get squeezed hard enough, what comes out is what's inside. So what do you do with that? Like the point is never to say, oh man, I got a lot of anger, got a lot of bitterness. No, it's to say, God, help me, please. God, forgive my unbelief, please. Forgive my hard-heartedness, forgive my anger. Give me forgiveness, help me to change. Am I talking to anybody right now? See, this is real. This isn't, oh, you're going to heaven and Jesus is all really nice. Listen, you are going to heaven and Jesus is really nice. But you may not get to heaven for another 30, 40, 50 years. Don't you want it a little better on earth? Because he said he'd bring his kingdom into our lives when we surrender. I think there's some surrender that God is asking for from us.
If he's squeezing, sometimes it's just because he's trying to get healing and blessing into you. Not trying to judge you, critique you, make you. He loves you, loves, loves you. The next one that really stood out to me is sometimes we harden our hearts. Can I ask you guys to take down the lights? Because I just want a little bit of, of um, privacy. You know, this is when we sense God's leading and we still stay stubborn. This is when we do hear his voice. And he's saying, go here, do this, give that, serve here, surrender, give up your time, lay down your argument. I know you're right, but I still want you to bow low. That's a hard one, by the way. When you know what you did was correct, but God still asks you to lay it down. Because relationships are always bigger than how right you are. Always. God will always have you surrender your rights to be right to repair a relationship. Always. That's just how he works. And so I've found in myself that there are times where I sense what God is asking and I get stubborn. Sometimes it's selfishness because I just want what benefits me the most. That's what I want. I think most of us feel that at times. I don't want to do that because it's not in my best interest. Sometimes it's pride. I just mentioned we don't want to give up our rights. I think I'm right, therefore I don't have to change what I'm doing. Sometimes it's unforgiveness. We just simply don't want to forgive. Wait, you know, the, the Bible does not give us permission not to forgive. It's the craziest thing. And I know when I say that, that I'm talking to people who've been abused physically, abused sexually. I mean, you've been taken advantage of by people who have done ungodly and evil things in your life. And God still says this, I want you to forgive them. Listen, this is as high or as deep as it gets. I, I understand that. Now, it's important for me to say, God doesn't say that you have to accept them said you had to forgive them. I've, I've, I've just ministered to so many people over the years who have said, but, but you don't know what he did. He beat the snot out of me. I can't go back to that. I said, I don't think God is asking you to be a punching bag. I think he's asking you to release them back to, to him. He's asking you to forgive them. So there's a boundary there somewhere. I want to encourage you. Some of you are living in unforgiveness and it's trapping you, not them. And it's a hardness issue. Sometimes our hearts are hard because of pain. You experience loss. You know, things burn, cars break, loved ones pass. And you just think, man, it's not supposed to be like this. And, and the truth is, it's not. You know, when God created the earth, he did not create it with sin. He didn't create it fallen. That was our doing, not his. And I think there are times where we live in the brokenness of sin and we blame it on God because we feel like we're entitled to do that. And God said, no, I never intended the pain. And I know that God says this, that there's, 
probably two or three that I'm talking to in the room. I'm pretty confident I am. God's saying, if you'll let me, I'll use the pain to heal others. If you'll let me. It takes a lot of, lot of um, courage to allow God to do that in you. But that's his calling. Listen, if the devil has allowed just, un, just heinous things to happen in your life, it's because God will take it and turn it to glory if you'll let him. Important to say, God does not ordain evil, but when evil happens, he can flip it around if you let him. Oh man, that's hard. Like, I'm not going to pretend like that's an easy step. I'm not. But I do think that that is what God is asking. Are you willing to let me use your pain for my kingdom? See, when you do that, God promises he'll be close. He says, I'm super close to the brokenhearted, to those who are contrite or broken in spirit. He says he comes right up near, stays really close. Sometimes we guard ourselves. We get edgy. We're unwilling to listen. Struggle to forgive. We self-protect. And by doing that, we stay bound. You know, there's a saying amongst pastors that hurt people hurt people. Because when you're hurt, you often hurt in return just because you don't know another way to do it. But if you'll let God in, he'll heal you. And if he heals you, he'll use you as an agent of glory. And it's a very miraculous, very powerful thing. It's a very humbling thing. You know, maybe for you it has to do with understanding. I need to understand if I'm going to bow low. I don't think God is too threatened by that. He wasn't with Moses. He kept going around with Moses and nudging him in the right direction. Maybe it's bitterness, regret. Maybe you did something wrong and you wish you didn't. Maybe it's resentment, something got taken from you. Maybe you're just exhausted and you're like, man, I just don't care. Been too hard for too long and I don't care. I'm here to tell you this morning, God is not threatened by any of that. In fact, Jesus going to the cross is absolutely about everything I just identified. That he will set you free if you'll allow him to. He'll take whatever you offer. You got to get this about God. If you're like, man, I got like next, I got like a single little grain of rice of faith, God. He's like, I'll take it. God, I don't really want to forgive, but I'm open to the conversation. God's like, I'll take that. Anywhere where you'll give him the room to work with you, he'll take it. You know, I find myself in a season where it's like, you know, God, there's been enough that's gone wrong that I just want whatever you want. I, I don't want to fight for what is perceived to be right. Just what are you doing? I think some of you are there. I don't really want to be right. I just want to be in your will. That's where my heart's at. And as I encourage you this morning, that's what I'm encouraging you toward. God, what are you up to? That's where I want to be. I want to be about whatever you're about. Sometimes God allows it so we can see where we're really at. So if you're hard right now, the response is repentance. It's just saying, God, I know it's wrong. And I'm willing to say, I know it's wrong. 
and I want what you want for me. Listen, church, I'm taking time with this because I feel pretty strongly about what I think God is up to right now. Not trying to go slow for the sake of slowness. Trying to give space for you to wrestle around in your own heart. I think God is saying, will you allow me in and will you trust me again? For some of you, I know you've taken that step. For others, you're battling to take it and I just want to encourage you to take it. Listen, I'm going to ask Santosh to just lead us quietly. And while he's doing that, I just want you to take assessment of your own heart. This is a you and God moment. Just ask the Lord, where's my heart, God? And then wrestle around with him a little bit because he'll show you. He'll show you. But remember, he always shows because he wants to heal and bless. It's never to make you feel bad. It's to set you free. So, Father, as we take this moment right now just to bow our hearts, Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak. Whether it's repentance, forgiveness, stubbornness, whatever the area of hard-heartedness is, God, we just ask that you would help us to see it and agree with you in the manner that we walk out of it. So as we worship, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak because your servants are listening.
No greater sacrifice than what he's done, what he's done. All the glory and the honor to the Son, my sins are forgiven, my future is heaven. I praise God for what he's done. Oh, I praise God for what he's done. I praise God for what he's done. Father, we want to thank you that you sent your son as a sacrifice for each one of us. God, we want to thank you that your Holy Spirit is so just present and clear that we can allow him to test our hearts in areas that we don't even know that they're not right. on the night that Jesus was betrayed he took bread and he broke it and he told his disciples this is my body which is broken for you when you get together eat it and remember so God we remember right now that we take away for a piece of bread or a piece of something at home post online that God that we're doing this to remember that it was your body broken for our sins. Go ahead and eat. Afterwards, Jesus took the cup. And the cup was symbolic of his blood. And when you look at the, the torture that Jesus went through, he had 40 lashes minus one. The cat of nine tails. And I'm sure the amount of blood that was spilled would be um, grotesque and remarkable. And Jesus said, the reason that I shed that blood was I would be the final sacrifice for the penalty of sin. The final one. This will happen with my flesh and you'll never need to sacrifice another animal again to be right with God. He took that cup and he said, this is a cup of an everlasting covenant, a promise from God for the remission of sins. God, we want to say thank you that you made that covenant, that you have never turned your back on that covenant, and it's impossible for you to turn your back on it. 
So as we drink it, God, we drink it to the healing, the blessing, the courage, the restoration, the forgiveness, the humility, whatever it takes from your spirit that each of us need. We take it to that power, that possibility. Go ahead and drink. Why don't you stand with me and let's worship this one song together before I dismiss you. I also want to say before we leave, or before you leave, if you feel like you need additional prayer, I'm going to ask some of the ministry team to come up and they'll make themselves available to pray with you. So if you're here and you're like, I need someone to pray with me right now, please, as we sing this song, just step out of the seat and come up to those folks. If you're on the ministry team, make your way forward. Again, we're only doing this one song. Why don't you worship with me? Sing for the freedom he has won. Even death is dead and done. His life has overcome. Oh, speak, say the name above all names over every broken place. He is risen from the grave. What he's done, what he's done. All the glory and the honor to the Son. My sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. Oh, I praise God for what He's done, what He's done, what He's done, all the glory and the honor to the Son, my sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. Oh, I thank God for what He's done. Oh, now on a throne of majesty, the Father's will complete. He reigns in victory. Hallelujah to the King, He is worthy to receive all the worship we can bring. What He's done, what He's done, all the glory and the honor to the Son, my sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. Oh, I praise God for what He's done. My sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. Oh, I praise God for what He's done. I praise God. Oh, what he's done.
Father, we thank you that you're just always in the mix. God, you never step away from us, step back, turn your eye from us. And as we go today, God, I pray we'd go encouraged in our hearts. That if we came in hard or crusty, God, that at least the process of walking into freedom started this morning. God, I pray that for all of us. We've all got areas to grow, and we just pray that you would help us with that. As we go, I pray that your hand would be on us. You'd keep speaking to us and keep leading us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you need prayer, you're still welcome to sneak up front. They will remain up here for a few more minutes. Otherwise, God bless you. Have a great rest of your Sunday.